All right. I think you got it turned on now. Is that right? Yeah? Oh, okay, good. Look at Psalm 69. Psalm 69 is where we're going to uh, begin tonight, verse 20. Psalm 69, verse 20. Uh, I've got a little bit of a, a unique message tonight. I'm going to, uh, the message is, uh, it's a message to millennials and Generation Z. Uh, if you've even heard of that, Generation Z, that's the new one that's coming along. Uh, and this is really not what you think it is. It's really, ultimately, it's going to be how we're going to reach them. How do you reach them? And, uh, and, and in order to do that, got to lay a little bit of foundation. But Psalm 69, uh, verse 20, it says this, Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. And I looked for some to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gall for meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Let their table become a snare before them. And that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened that they see not, make their loins continually to shake. Pour out thine indignation upon them, and let thy wrath, uh, wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their habitation be desolate, and let none dwell in their tents. For they persecute him who thou hast smitten, and they talk to the grief of those whom thou hast wounded. Add iniquity unto their iniquity, and let them not come into thy righteousness, and let them be blotted out of the book of the living, and not be written with the righteous. Boy, this is a pretty tough passage, isn't it? Uh, it sounds to me like somebody's pretty pretty upset with somebody. And uh and you're thinking, how in the world does this have anything to do with, with millennials and Generation Z? Well, we're going to, uh, it will, I believe, here in just a moment. I think I can, uh, it'll be the foundation of what we're going to talk about. But we'll first we'll have a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you bless tonight. Holy Spirit of God, we need your presence and power again. need your strength. Lord, uh, it's, it is seemingly just uh, the days just seem to run upon themselves right now. And there's a lot that needs to be done. There's a lot that needs to be accomplished. And, and Lord, the body's a little bit weary. And Lord, I, it's not just my body. It's many people. And, and Lord, maybe the, the, the body uh, of the church, the, the whole body. But Lord, I pray that you'd bless us now in this uh, time of, uh, of uh, this early January time. Of, it's always kind of a dreary time no matter what, but it's been exceptionally cold around here. And, and Lord, I pray that you'd comfort people and you'd encourage people and that you'd lift up spirits of people. And, and Lord, that we would be a help and a blessing to everybody that would come across their path. So Spirit of God, I yield myself today. And I ask you to fill me with your presence. Anoint me with your fresh oil. Guide my mind and my thoughts. Wrap your arms around us as a mighty hedge of protection. And turn back every evil, please. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, it's a message to millennials and what they call Generation Z. Generation Z, uh, just to give you a little update, uh, it's kind of a, it's the new one. It's, it's everybody that's... Uh, you're basically up to about 18 years of age. Uh, so if they were born about the year 2000 and, and forward, that's our new Generation Z, they call. 
And I'm going to give you some, some things that they say about Generation Z. Uh, Generation Z, they say, wants to blend into society with no conflict, so they will change their profile to fit the group. Uh, and and they're, that's the profile, the terminology, is because uh, they are into technology. Here's something they say about them. They say they have an eight-second attention span. An eight-second attention span. But they say the positive thing about this eight-second attention span is it really, in some ways, is an eight-second filter. They process what they want quickly, but can they say can get engaged if they find something to their liking. And so they process all the stuff they don't want very quickly. They kind of eliminate things very quickly that's why their attention they change because they're searching out they're scanning they're they're moving very quickly here's uh, by their own testimony they say 40 percent admit that they are addicted to their digital devices 40 percent of those that are old enough to to know what they're talking about the 40 percent of them uh, admit that they're addicted to their digital devices generation z has been shaped by the recession and is prepared to fight hard to create a stable future for themselves. So they have a little bit different mentality than the, the millennials do. Because they say that they, uh, they came through the recession of 2008. So, so they're a little bit more aggressive about making sure that they are prepared to take care of themselves. I'm not sure that that's factual, but that's what they say. They also are hesitant, and I believe this is probably factual, uh, they're hesitant to trust. Big brand names mean little because the errors, failures, and lies come to light so quickly. You know, when some big car dealership like Volkswagen or something comes up and, it, and they find out, you know, years pass if they did something illegal or they had something that wasn't working right. You know, we never knew about it. You know, maybe it came out in the commercial appeal, but who reads that? And so... Uh, uh, you know, you know, we we might glance at you know we don't even know what they're talking about. But now everything like that gets gets blasted in front of them every moment. So they're very untrusting. Especially, uh, it says that they are untrusting about big brand names. And so, uh, just because it's a big brand, they say the millennials they they loved all the name tags. They loved to have everything that had a big brand name. They say. The Generation Z doesn't want the big brand name necessarily because they don't really trust the big brand name. Uh, now, just, to, just this, just to say this, this means, I believe, just, just from that one fact, it means that, um, that this is part of the reason why uh, many of our churches today are trying to remove their traditional names uh, you know, just removing Baptists from the sign because this generation doesn't trust the brand name. They don't trust the, the name Baptist, and so uh, they just want to come up with some name. They're going to be The Rock, uh, you know, because it can't be connected to anything. There, you know, there's hardly any other The Rocks out there, and so, uh, you know, there's no connection to something. But, but I, I will tell you this. I don't believe that you take the name off. What I believe is, is that what really we should be doing is striving that our brand name is honest and moral and pure. That's what I believe that we should be doing. I believe that Calvary Baptist Church ought to be the, the brand for honesty, morality, and biblical purity. So, 
That's what, you know, rather than compromise and saying, well, okay, we got a bad name, so let's take the name away. Let's make the name good. We don't change our, our human name. We don't change our human name because somebody in the family messed up. We just determined that, bless God, I'm going to make my name good. And so, but these surveys also, and this is where we kind of get to the crux of these surveys say that millennials and generation Zers, Z, Zorro, Zorro, they're suffering from depression. It says as a whole that they, the majority of them are suffering from depression. Now, why? Now, there are all kinds of reasons given, as I started kind of researching it, given as to why they are depressed, but it starts, honestly, it starts, and, and nobody really specifically said this, but from everything that I gathered and everything that I saw, I believe it starts with the same technology that they're addicted to. These generations, millennials and, and the Z, uh, these generations practically grew up in, in the limelight. Uh, by that I mean their picture is everywhere. They get to, they get to you know, used to, if you got your picture in the, in the paper again, that, you know, you'd cut it out and save it for life. Uh, their picture at any moment is seen by more people than your picture was seen if it's on the front page again of the commercial appeal when you're growing up. I, I know that's the truth because every time my picture was in there, I got it saved. And so, now, but they practically grew up in line life. They were toting selfie sticks. Anybody ever have one? They, they, uh, they, uh, they had those things as they went to school. They were there. I don't even know exactly what this Snapchat is, but I hear different ones talking about it. Uh, you know, but they can put anything they want, bam, 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 bam. They can put it out uh, with just lightning speed. Uh, they can post to Facebook, and the whole world knows about everything that they're doing. But also, here's the issue. They get evaluated immediately. Ultimately, here's the problem. They spend their lives on themselves. The ultimate cause of this depression is self-centeredness and coming upon, listen to this now, coming upon the reality that the world does not revolve around them. That's why they're depressed. They're depressed because somebody else got more likes than they did. They're depressed because somebody noticed something about their picture, that they, uh, their selfie, then, uh, and, and, said, and made some kind of negative comment. They're, they're upset when they find out that everything's just not revolving around them. The self-centered are chronically unhappy. doesn't matter what generation they are. If you're self-centered, you're chronically unhappy. Uh, because, listen to this, the world will never meet your expectations. So this is for all of us. It doesn't make any difference what generation it is, but the world will never meet our expectation. My wife, for so long, has, has, has taught this, especially to ladies, you know, but uh, we were taught it for years and years. Uh, you know, look, if you really expect nothing, you, you won't be disappointed. You know, my wife would always say, Rob, you know, you, you got to be positive. And I'd say, babe, you know, I'd rather just be me. Okay, because then when it don't happen the way that everybody is dreaming that it's going to happen, I'm the only one that's not really disappointed because I didn't really expect it to happen. And she'd say, you got to be positive. And I'd say, I'm positive. I know it ain't going to work. And so, 
Now, they never quite get the adoration that they seek because no matter how much, listen, no matter how many likes you get, you got to have more. Because watch this, it, no matter how many you got, there's going to be somebody that's got more. That no matter how many friends you got, somebody's going to have more. Now, sadly, the previous generation placed our generation and those in between me and millennials, uh, we placed the source of their addiction in their hands. We allowed it. I, I went, I fought at, uh, at House Anderson College. I fought for about two years to try to get kids to put away their phones and go to class and watch this and just talk to people up and down the hallways. You wouldn't believe how much attack I came under. You wouldn't believe, and, and listen, I didn't just get attacked by the school. I got attacked by parents. I got attacked by pastors. I got attacked by everybody. Because my child's got to have their phone. And when I want to talk to them, I want to talk to them. What in the world did we do before we had these things? But listen, I would watch them in the classroom. I would watch them up and I'd watch them cheat. Because you can look up anything you want to look up. And you say, oh, could they do it way back then? Let me tell you something. They are way ahead of us. I told them in, in meetings, I said, listen, there's no way that we can, we, can, we can keep them from doing what we don't want them to do because they know more than we do. Do you understand that? Parents, do you know that too? They know more than you do. If they're two years old, they do. Now, I've dealt for years with young men and even women addicted to pornography. I've counseled multitudes of them. But almost always, the most severe cases started when they were as young as 8, 9, and 10. Now, listen to this now. An addiction that begins so young is going to be very hard to understand as an addiction. For it's just a way of life. They don't know another way of life, so they don't know it's an addiction. Now, the generations, especially Z, began with technology at 2, 3, and 4. And even though 40% state they're addicted, I believe many more are, but do not realize it, for this is the, all they've ever known. The addict knows he's an addict because his behavior is not normal behavior and because he knows his decisions are affected by his behavior. These generations do not have that same knowledge. They don't know that their decisions are affected by their behavior. They live for likes. They dream to go, of going viral. How many of you have no clue what I just said? But that's what they dream about. They change their appearance and their stated beliefs so that they may limit conflict and increase approval. The solution for the young ones, now here's where I'm, I'm coming to. All that sounds real negative, but I just felt like th that has to be foundational. The solution for the young ones coming into this world today, which will soon comprise the next generation. You know, uh, the very young of Generation Z, we, we could still do something with. Now, the truth is, those that are already 17, 18 years old, 
it's going to be real hard to change who they are. We, we made them up, but there's, because God can do anything, they can change. But where we really need to start is we need to start with those that are two and three and four and five years old. And so I'm going to just give you some things that if you have young children uh, that, that maybe, or you got grandchildren, or you got those that you have some influence somewhere, parents need to stop telling their children they're number one when they're not. Schools need to stop feeding the line that self-esteem matters most, not accomplishment. You know what? We got to get across to them that you got to do something. You're not wonderful just because you sit there. Progressives need to stop handing out participation awards as though they mean something. That's insane. We got a trophy. Why? Because I was on the team. Really? Did y'all win the league? No, I played. Wow. Let me help you, folks. Let me just clarify. That's stupid. You do something. Listen, they need to get outside themselves and do something for somebody else. That's why the, what the kids in here, listen, I'll be honest with you. That's why the kids in here are different than most of the kids around this world. Because they're going out on bus routes. Because they're going out and trying to do something. Because they're coming over here and working and vacuuming and cleaning and helping and drawing the displays and helping to put up the things that go on. Because they get involved in doing something besides just what they want to do. Volunteer to help. You know, I... I, I'm looking for, I'm so glad that Joe and Nicole are here because I got these visions for teenagers going and, and cleaning up people's yards. Amen. Yeah, but I don't want to, but I'm glad, Joe, no, I'm glad somebody young and energetic can take, you know, the truth is we got some folks in this church that we need to go and not for pay, we need to go as a church and take care of our widows, take care of our elderly, Do, and I'm part of that elderly, and take care of our people. I've told them all over the nation, you want to do something? They say, what can I do with my teenagers, youth directors all over at camps? And they what can I do? I say, put them to work. Get them to sweat. Teach them that life without a higher meaning is meaningless. Okay, so what can we do, though, about this incredible condition that we're in? How can we, how can we reach a millennial? How can we reach Generation Z without doing what the rest of the world is doing? And let me just tell you what they're doing tonight. It, Matthew. He's gone. Matthew. Hey. I'm worried about him. Hey. Matthew. Sir. Sir. Whew, scare me. 
What world are you in, man? What was that? He didn't go to bed at 3 o'clock in the morning? Matthew, I went out to get you, not so you could come sleep in the pew. But I also understand a little. All right. Now. Okay. What can we do to help reach Matthew? Uh, the current millennials and, and, and disease. Now, what, what a lot of the world's doing, and a lot of the Christian world's doing, is, is we're giving them what they want. So right now we put up, you know, these screens are not nearly big enough. We've got to put up a massive screen, and we've got to have a lot of music and a lot of lights and a lot of entertainment, a lot of video and all that going on tonight. Uh, and even if it's preaching, it's got to be on video. It's, got, it's not can't be me up here, you know, an actual human person because there's so much more in tune to look. We can either do that, and I'm just telling you, we're going to continue. The church is, will be unrecognizable because you've got to continue to change all the time. Or I believe you just continue reading in this passage of Scripture. See, it says that they're depressed. And if you go up there and, and, and this whole situation, it says, Reproach has broken my heart and I am full of heaviness. That's depression. And I look for some to take pity, but there was none. You know, because I want somebody to think about me. Think about me. Care about me. It's about me. Pity me, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. Somebody comfort me. Somebody make me feel better. Somebody do for me. Now, what are we going to do? What's the solution? They're depressed. This depression has come upon them. What do we need to do? Look at Psalm 69, verse 29. Look at verse 29. It says, but I am poor and sorrowful. Let thy salvation, O God, set me up on high. I will praise the name of God with a song. And will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath, hath horns and hoofs. The humble shall see this and be glad, and your heart shall live that seek God. You see, what has happened, they're brokenhearted, depressed, they have heaviness, which means their heart is heavy, and they're in depression, and God says, he goes through this, and, and, the, and the psalmist says, man, these people, it's all bad, 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 bad. How am I going to come out of this? Here's how I'm coming out. He realizes I'm poor and sorrowful. Yeah, I'm down. Let thy salvation, O God, set me up in, on high. You see what happens is salvation comes in and God says if you'll never forget your salvation, you can be lifted up of whatever you're in. You know, bro Brother uh, uh, Felton has said it to us, and he, and he said it to us again today. You know, we need to realize we're saved. We need to remember we're saved because whatever depression you're in, discouragement you're in, it'll help start you out of it. He said, I will praise the name of God with song. There's two things in there that God says both of them lift you up. First, praise lifts you up and singing lifts you up. And if you sing praise, it really lifts you up. Sing. And God says, verse 32, the humble shall see this and be glad and your heart shall live that seek God. What's the emphasis we try to keep here? Just seek God. Seek God. You said, again, how does this, it's cliche, but listen to me, 
the Generation Z and the Millennials, you know what they need? They need the Savior. Listen, I understand. There's a, I'm going to give you some little hints about the way to present the Savior to them. But, I'm, but I want you to understand, ultimately, they don't need a song and dance. They don't, they don't need a lot of instrumentation. They don't need a lot of excitement and flash and lights going everywhere. That's just more of the same of what they already have. They need something that's different. And guess what's different in this old wicked world? Jesus is different. They need more than a Savior. They need a Savior that loves them individually. You see, the whole thing, they're depressed because they're not the center of attention. Can I tell you? I can give them somebody that thinks they're the center of attention. Listen, Jesus Christ believes they're the most important people in this world, just like he believes I'm the most important person in this world. Jesus looks at each and every one of us, and he cares so much about every one of us, he shed his blood and died for each of us. They need a Savior that accepts them as they are. There's so much about they want to be accepted. They're putting it out all the time. So accept me, accept me, accept me. I'm going to just tell you, Jesus was just as I am without one plea. Come to the Savior. They need a Savior that desires no facade. You know, everybody else there around wants a facade. Everybody else wants them to put up what they want. You know, just hide what you really are and show everybody what you want them to see. And look, everybody's prompting them to do that. Let's make ourselves up. Let's paint ourselves up. Let's do everything to make ourselves something other than what we are. They need us. Listen, they need us to present hope clearly and watch us concisely. If you've got an eight-second attention span, that means you can't beat around the bush even with the gospel. Now, I want you to understand this. They need to see that the love and acceptance of God is trending. Okay? <laughs> I love using all this terminology that I have no clue what it means. But to, no. It's trendy, and will deliver them from their depression. Psalm 34, 17 says this, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and deliver them out of all their troubles. They're depressed because they feel like they're overwhelmed with trouble because they're being rejected and because they didn't get enough likes, because they don't have enough friends, because somebody unfriended them. Jesus said, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and deliver them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a, listen, of a broken heart and save as such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. They need to know that the world, listen, they need to know that the world wants to destroy your spirit by breaking your heart. It's not what God says here, and you, they have to understand what really it meant here. But the world wants to destroy their spirit by breaking their heart. They must understand that you can never live up to the expectations of the world. People will disappoint you. People will fail. You, people will never live up to your expectations. And watch this, you'll never live up to their expectations. What they need to know is you've got to allow your heart to be broken. 
And depression comes when you're trying to please everyone all the time. When you seek approval of the world, approval will fly away as quickly as it came. You're in a continuous, nonstop torment cycle, always trying to grab for approval. Listen, folks, uh, this is a terrible way to live. And I'm going to testify, in the early years of my ministry, that's the way I live. And can I tell you, approval of, of man is like a roller coaster of emotion. They, they, you're great today and make one slip up and you're bottom tomorrow. Let me just help you folks. God be my witness, my, my help. That's not the way I lead. That's not the way I do. I heard this my whole, whole early ministry. Uh, I, I, once you're a friend, you're always a friend. And once I believe in you, I always believe in you. Okay? You say, well, what happens if I mess up? You know what I know? I know what I already knew. You're human. When you live for success... Success is an ever-changing, fleeting thing that has no boundary and no end. The answer is that which does not change, Jesus Christ. He also wants your broken heart, but not broken from failing to achieve, but broken from believing it's not about you, but Jesus. And so the whole thing is, Jesus wants a broken heart. The world is crushing these kids, destroying them, right and left. They're miserable, they're depressed, they're discouraged. The next thing, and then our, our insane world is approving every kind of drug and saying it's all okay, California and Washington, all these places, saying, yeah, you know what, you're miserable, you're depressed, okay, this is what will take you out of it, go smoke some dope. And it's, not, it's legal now, it's not even hard to get, you can go anywhere and buy it. They're destroying them. God wants us broken, but broken from our pride. God wants us, uh, to, wants to, to, us to have a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. Psalm 51, 17, we read this morning, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, thou will not despise. God says, look, <laughs> I'm not going to condemn you if you'll just come, not with perfection, but with a broken and contrite heart. This is not a depression of hopelessness. This is a brokenness to our hopelessness that understands that we must trust in his hope. And what we have to do is that, is that we, we must come to the Lord, and we've got to just keep going to these millennials and Generation Z. We've got to come to them. One, they don't trust a lot, so we've got to come to them in honesty and sincerity, not manipulation. Okay, so we're not, we're not salesmen trying to sell them on Jesus. We're real people that walk up and say, I want to help you. If you let me, I think I can. We must reach millennials and Generation Z with the one true God who knows them and knows every hair of their head. So he truly cares about them. 
the one who created them just the way they are, the one who does not make error or fail, the one who does not make junk, the one who loves them unconditionally. Let their heart be broken to Jesus and they'll never have to live another day with a broken heart of the world. Depression, listen to this please, depression cannot take over territory that is already possessed and controlled by the Lord Jesus. Millennials, Generation Z, stop your expectations of success and approval of the world for you will always be disappointed. Find your approval in God and you'll never be disappointed. And that's what we've got to get to them. You keep seeking this approval, but it's fleeting. They'll never have it. But here's how you have it. Jesus Christ today, the same today, yesterday, and forever. He loves you. He will always love you. He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. He will mold you and make you. So I brought this all down to one little simple statement. So in your eight-second evaluation, and this is what I, what I believe uh, from what I'm saying, and this is what, I, what I'm going to try to do from, from now on with that Generation Z, as I approach them, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a question to ask them, and here's my question. Are you truly happy spending every day seeking happiness and approval? I got eight seconds. Eight seconds, and they're going to evaluate whether they want to listen to me anymore. That's what all the research says. Eight seconds to get them. Uh, years ago, and, and it wasn't the same situation, but I was, and, I, and I, I'm sure I've told you this. I don't know where I tell anything, but, but, I, but I, was, I was with a tour group, uh, a couple of boys uh, uh, out there uh, soul winning, and, and we came to a Church of Christ lady at the door. And, uh, and as I always do, one of the first questions I ask is, how long have you been involved with the Church of Christ? Because I want to know what I'm dealing with. I want to know how indoctrinated they are. So I'll ask them that, how long have you been studying the Church of Christ? And so, or, or you've been a member of the church? And so I, I go through that. And, 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 uh, and as I asked them that, but then it was this other, this boy, this uh, college boy's time to witness. And so he started talking and I, and I, I became the silent partner and I just stood back. And I listened to him, and she just kept throwing stuff at him and throwing stuff at him and throwing stuff at him, and he got kind of confused. And, and finally, I just said, hold on just a second. And I looked at her. I said, ma'am, I'm going to ask you one question, and then I'm going to leave. And she looked at me, and, and very cocky because she had been so successful against him. I said, I, one question. When you lay your head on your pillow at night, do you have peace? When you try to go to sleep at night, will you be honest with me? Tell me the truth. Do you have peace? You say, why would you say it? Because I know what you believe, Church of Christ doctrine, you cannot have peace. Because they don't know from moment to moment. As I stood there and looked at that lady, she burst into tears. In about 15 minutes, she was bowing her head and trusting Jesus as her Savior. But one question, and that's my question to these millennials and Generation Z. You, you're spending your life seeking approval. Have you found it? If they'll answer me that one question, I believe, and I believe if any of us, if they'll answer us that one question, if they look and say, well, no, not really. 
Okay, here's my next one. I have. Would you let me show you how you can? You know, there's one thing about culture we do have to deal with. And when we start, I don't have to become what they are. I hope I never get to the point that I got an eight-second attention span. If my wife had an eight-second attention span, what, what else could she think of? But I do believe this, if that's what we're dealing with. And you tell honestly, how many people you talk to that you can't talk to them with? Young people that you talk to, you can't talk to them without, as they talk to you. You know, part of it I read said they were on, they can be on the phone, on an iPad, watching a movie, and I don't know, playing a game. It was like four different things. And it said, truthfully, they can do it all at the same time. That's incredible multitasking. Now, for my brain, that's just absolute confusion. But if that's what I'm dealing with, and I got eight seconds for them to decide whether they want to hear me or not, I better realize that I got to come up with something that's going to hit to the heart immediately. So ultimately, all of this was said to say, we're going to still continue. Hopefully we can wisely continue, but we're going to continue to present to the millennials and Generation Z that Jesus was and is the answer. They want to be free of this depression? This is the one place you can come. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. So, I really don't know, this has really been, like I said, a unique message but I'd like for us, as, Calvary, as we go, we, gotta, we need to think about who are we dealing with. And, and the truth is, this is what we're dealing with. You know, if we went to Ghana, it's amazing. They live in dirt floor, but they got an iPhone. Everybody's got technology. Second graders got technology. Probably everybody in your class has got technology. It's insane, but it's where we are. We're not going to become what they are, but we're going to learn how to reach them. Father, I pray that this might be a